This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about what I would preach this morning. I thought of the fact that this is the second Sunday of Black History Month, and it would be very appropriate to use this preaching opportunity to talk about black history and somehow find a way to show its relevance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought to do that. I also thought about the fact that since we just concluded our Founders Day celebration with our bishop and we heard very passionate preaching and we heard some eloquent workshops that outlined and talked about black history and in particular AME history that I could continue in that same vein and preach about Richard Allen or Jarena Lee or about the AME's role in the Brown versus Board of Education decision by the Supreme Court, etc., etc. I thought to do that. But as I thought more and more about what to preach this morning, I could not get away from the fact that despite this being Black History Month and despite our celebration of our Founders Day and and despite the importance of telling our story, it occurred to me that I must not merely tell history, but I must tell this story. I'm not sure if you understand what I just said. I I know that we need to talk about history, but somehow I'm thinking I need to talk about this story. And I'm talking about who we are today, not who we were yesterday. You see, when we talk about our history and when we reflect on our past, it gives us a really good sense of who we were. How we used to boycott the bus system in Montgomery. How we used to cross bridges in Selma. How we used to rebuild our churches when they were bombed. How we used to sit in at lunch counters. How we used to sing Negro spirituals to help us navigate the Underground Railroad. So when we talk about our history and when we reflect on our past, I get a really good sense of who we were. But to be quite frank, today... With all that I see happening around us, I'm not quite sure who we are. I know who we were from history, but I'm not quite sure who we are from this story. So as I thought about what I would preach on this second Sunday of Black History Month, I was led to the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, and I was read the 26th to the 39th verse. And I just want to Read it one more time, just so that we're all kind of in sync and on the same page. It begins as thus. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get ready and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got ready and went. And there was, there was an, an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? 
And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to a slaughter and like a lamb that is silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered that the chariot stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So in the context of our history, and not being quite sure who we are, I thought to preach a message today that I've titled quite simply, The Desert Road. The Desert Road. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have suffered long. We have walked long along this desert road. Stony the road we trod. And oh Lord, how bitter is that chastening rod. How long, oh God, how long must we walk this desert road? So speak to us now today, Father. Speak a word through your preacher. I know what I have prepared, but I know that, Lord, there is something that you have for your people. So help them, Lord, not to seek to be entertained, but let the Holy Spirit move through every single syllable and every single enunciation of words and phrases. And let it be, Father, that they can feel and hear your spirit. Chew up the meat, oh God, and then let them spit out the bones. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. I often reflect on this scene from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, where Alice comes to a two-way road where she meets the Cheshire Cat. Alice then asks the cat, which way should I go? To which the cat responds, where do you want to go? Alice then responds, I don't know. To which the cat then cleverly responds, then it doesn't matter. The general thinking here is that when you don't know where you want to go, then your choices in life become a game of chance. And more often than not, you end up in places that you never even wanted to be in the first place, simply because you have no idea where it is that you want to go. Such is the case for many of us. We are living lives that often feel empty and meaningless simply because we had taken roads along our life's journey that had we known where we wanted to go, we would have made very different choices. The issue of not knowing where we want to go is a function of having lost more than our way, but more so our identity. To make it quite simple, we don't know where we want to go because we don't know who we are. Come on, come on. 
We don't know who we are because our identity was taken from us. So we end up in a strange land, traveling along a strange road, wandering aimlessly, trying to find our sense of self in a world that seems to think that we are worth little more than slaving on cotton fields, bouncing basketballs, working menial jobs, or running with a football. If the history of black people in this country has taught us nothing else, it's that we are sojourners in a foreign land, traveling on an unknown road, trying desperately to find our way home. If you live in this country, whether you are born here or not, and you find that you sometimes feel like you have to prove your value or your worth to other people, or, or that you have to constantly apologize for the behavior of people who look like you and me, or if you feel you have to take the back seat in favor of others, then my brothers and my sisters, let me make it as plain as I can, you are not home. You are not home when you cannot walk down the street with a bag of Skittles and not get shot. You're not home when you're sleeping comfortably in your bed and police break down your door with no-knock warrants and then you get shot. You're not home when you sleep in your own apartment and police mistaking your apartment for someone else's and then you get shot. You're not home when you drive down the street and your car happens to fit the description of someone the police is looking for, then, <laughs> then you might get shot. Or though you are the most qualified, you either don't get the job, or if you do get the job, then you must have been an affirmative action hire. Well. And finally, you're not home when people who look like you and me are locked up twice as much and serve sometimes triple the sentences that other people get for committing the same or lesser crimes. Listen, listen, I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I'm simply telling you the truth about what you can plainly see with your own very eyes. There are two Americas. There are two Americas. There is an America that is the land of the free for people who call themselves patriots as they try to overthrow the government in a violent insurrection. And politicians and pundits on television see it as a legitimate political discourse. <laughs> and there is another America that is the home of the brave for people who peacefully protest by marching and kneeling like Colin Kaepernick, who politicians and pundits on television call rioters, traitors, terrorists, and thugs. So, so if the history of black people in this country has taught us nothing else, it's that we are sojourners in a foreign land, traveling on an unknown road, trying desperately to find our way home. So we don't know who we are. We don't know where we belong. We don't know where we're going. And so we find ourselves on a desert road. In our text, we're told that the angel of the Lord instructed the evangelist Philip to go south to a road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. The very important thing to note here is that the, the name Jerusalem literally means city of peace. 
And every reference in the Bible that involves Jerusalem is always in the context of either going up to Jerusalem or down from Jerusalem. Now, technically, Jerusalem is an elevated city. However, figuratively, it is always to be understood in the place of achievement, attainment, or even accomplishment. Never about failure or loss. And so nowhere in the Bible you will ever find a reference of going down to Jerusalem. So Philip is told to go on a road that descends or goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the text tells us that this road, in parentheses, is a desert road. Luke includes that little bit of information. It's not just a road that's going down, down from the place of peace, down from the place of achievement, down from the place of dignity. But you are on this road, and it's a desert road. For this to be a desert road means that it is a road that is completely remote. Perhaps it trails through some kind of barren-like environment which was inhospitable because of the weather and it makes it very difficult and a not well-traveled route. I tend to think of it, this desert road, in terms of skid row or a path that is only traveled by the lowly and destitute in society. You see, the desert road, church, is where you find the homeless and the outcast. The desert road is where you find the unwanted and the neglected. The desert road is where you find the abandoned and the uncouth. The desert road is where you find the rejected and the misfits. You find the clumsy and the awkward, the abnormal and the unusual, the poor and the hungry. Along the desert road is where you find the grief-stricken and the broken, the hated and the hurting, the shy, the intimidated, the mild, and the unassertive. The desert road is where you find the insulted and the persecuted. The desert road is where you find the falsely accused and the hopeless. And guess what? The desert road, yes, the desert road is where you find you and me. Whatever your life situation or your life circumstances might be today, you might just be on a desert road, slowly moving along from place to place to God knows where. Living life day by day, not quite sure what tomorrow will look like for you or for your children or your family. Perhaps your health has deteriorated so much to the point that you're experiencing pain in places that you've never had pain before, but you're not quite sure. What will come next? Yeah. Perhaps your anxiety and concern centers on the welfare of your children, your grandchildren, or your loved ones, and you see no way out. I'm not sure what, what you may be feeling or even experiencing today, church, especially as a person of color in this nation or any other nation watching me from all over the world listening to this message. But if any of what I have said sounds familiar to you, then my brother and my sister, you just might be on a desert road. Yes, the desert road is lonely and frightening, scary and hard. But despite all of that, the desert road is where the angel of the Lord sent Philip to find an Ethiopian eunuch. Yes, <laughs> the fact that the Bible tells us that this person was Ethiopian is, is, a, is an unequivocal reference to the fact that this was a black man. Well. 
In fact, the most commonly mentioned feature of Ethiopians in most, if not all, Jewish and Greco-Roman writings, or even in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the 13th chapter and the 23rd verse, is the fact that these Ethiopians, they got black skin. So if you ever end up in some kind of senseless debate with people about whether or not black people are mentioned in the Bible, just lead them to this sermon and send them this podcast. Now the term eunuch means that this person was, also, was castrated, meaning that his genitals were either deliberately mutilated or he was born with this abnormality. Either way, he was incapable of procreating. And according to Jewish law and practice, he would be excluded from participating in anything to do with the life of the community, especially since he was a foreigner, especially since <laughs> he was an immigrant. So what we have here is a, <laughs> what we have here is a black eunuch. Another black man shunned by society and out of community. A a another black man relegated to being less than. Another black man with no future. Another black man who has to fend for himself. Another black man who, has, who was lost and had to find his own answers. Another black man on a desert road. But, 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 but this Ethiopian eunuch wasn't just any black man. He was, as the text tells us, a court official for the queen of Ethiopia, who was actually in charge of all of her treasure. As a matter of fact, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way back, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And, and herein lies a lesson for all of us. You might be on a desert road in your life today, but good things will happen to you whenever you choose to open up the word of God. <laughs> the text tells us and reveals to us that the Spirit said to Philip, oh, I love the Holy Spirit. The Spirit says to Philip, go join this chariot. To which Philip obeys and hearing this black man reading. Wait, let me stop there for a moment. Let me say that part one more time. Hearing this black man reading. Philip asks, do you understand what you are reading? To which this black man, in all humility, knowing already that he was an official of the queen's court, in all humility, says, well, how could I unless someone guides me? Brothers and sisters, this is the most pivotal point in this text. Most people would read this text and they, they, they're, they're wowed by Philip disappearing and they're wowed by all of these other things. But the fact that you have this person of stature in some sense is humble enough to say, how could I unless someone guides me? Well. Are you or me so much on our high horses today that we have no need to ask for someone to guide us? Do, do you need a guide today? <laughs> I began this message with a story from Alice in Wonderland. As she came to the fork in the road, the, the road that she had been on had eventually brought her to this place of decision. Alice could choose to go to the right 
or Alice could choose to go to the left. But no matter what Alice thought she knew, this much she knows. Number one, she cannot stay where she is. And secondly, she must make a choice. But Alice is fortunate. For when she came to the crossroads, she was not alone. There was a, a guide who could help her if she knew what she needed. So her question to the guide was, which way should I go? Where do you want to go? I don't know. Then it doesn't matter. As people of color, we are standing at a crossroads and we're asking the same question. Which way should we go? As African Americans, which way should we go in the face of voter suppression, gerrymandering, political uprisings, and insurrections? Which way should we go? As black people, which way should we go in the face of racial discrimination, racial profiling, and police brutality? Which way should we go, John? As, as a people, which way should we go? In the face of global warming, terrorism, wars, and rumors of wars, human trafficking, you name it. Which way should we go? I'll admit that it is a very difficult question for any of us to answer. But here is what I know. The way things are today is not the way things are always going to be. COVID or NOVID. I know this to be quite true because the text says when the Ethiopian eunuch, that black man, asked Philip the question, well, how could I unless someone guides me? The passage in the book of Isaiah that he was reading says this. He was led like a sheep to slaughter and like a lamb that is silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The text is talking about Jesus. But it could be, hear me church, the testimony of every black person or person who has experienced oppression of any kind on a desert road. If you know what it feels like or can imagine what it must have felt like to be led as a sheep to slaughter during chattel slavery, what it must have been like to be like a lamb that is silent before its sharers as you were overlooked for some kind of promotion. To, to be humiliated as your justice is taken away like the families of Breonna Taylor, Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, and others. Then you are in company with Jesus. For we are reminded in Philippians the third chapter and the tenth verse. That I may not only know him and the power of his resurrection. But also I can know him in the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Church, this is who we are. We are children 
of the living God created in the Imago Dei, the image of Almighty God. And not only that, we bear the marks of his suffering in our bodies and in our hearts and our minds. As a people, no one has suffered to the extent that we have, living through over 400 years of slavery and still having to wrestle during the Reconstruction era, the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow laws, and even now, the more sophisticated James Crow Esquire. Yes, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but we know him, for we hear his voice and he knows us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. <laughs> but, 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 but God did not leave us on that desert road. He gave us a guide. <laughs> and just as Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, preached Jesus to that Ethiopian eunuch along the desert road, that black man found salvation and was baptized and went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting excited as I am. Church, church, we have suffered much as a people. We have endured much as a nation. And we have every reason to give up now and throw in the towel. But this is not who we are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And for that, we must declare his praises the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful and marvelous light. This is who we are today. Today, we are a people who believe in and thrive in community. We are not meant to be struggling by ourselves. We need each other. And, 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 and if we can get back to knowing who and whose we are, knowing that we are not like those who are perishing, then we can rest assured that we will not be, hear me church, long. We will not be long on that stony desert road. For unlike Alice, Unlike Alice, we know exactly where we are going. <laughs> and we know, we know, we know, we know which road to take. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.